listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenology club. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Hello, everybody. We are live. Say hello if you're live with us. Welcome to Phenomenology Club. Today is Saturday afternoon, 4.15 p.m. Eastern Time. I won't say which Saturday it is, because now I know some people like to listen to these retroactively. I don't want you to feel as if this content is dated. I want you to feel as if it's suspended in time. Oh wait, I've already noticed my live chat is being stupid. Hold on while I refresh. Hopefully this will not cause any problems. I want to make sure I can see you as you talk. Boop, there we go. What's up? I can see you now. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, 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 welcome. So, um, little announcement before we get started. If you are a Phenomenology Club member on our Patreon, please check your Patreon inbox because I have sent all of you a free download code for a release that I've just made public today called Know Nothing. The release is essentially a 20 minute long improvisational MIDI solo performed by myself, Buttress, Originally, it was actually streamed live to the members of Phenomenology Club one night when I was feel- feeling very sad and emotional, and it was a, it was definitely um, a moment of catharsis to be able to play these sad, emotional sounds for you live. And um, if you're a Phenomenology Club member, um, you have a free download link. Anybody else, I've included the link to the Bandcamp. In the description for this upload, you can get it for only $5. And actually, I'm going to be playing a short little piece before we get started to establish an aesthetic for this chat. Like I said, the the entire release is a solo, but I've separated them into tracks, uh, you know based on its different movements and this is the first movement called my human hand enjoy Thank you. 
That was My Human Hand off Know Nothing. The new release by myself, Buttress. Now available on Bandcamp. Uh, if you like that kind of thing, please go download it. And I call that piece My Human Hand because like I just said, the release is entirely improvisational. And I felt like out of all the other parts of this release, um, that's the one where you could hear my human hand the most. You can hear the mistakes. You can hear that raw, human, primitive instinct. Um, I don't even know how to play piano. So I have to say I'm kind of proud of how some of this came out. Even though, like I said, it's full of mistakes. But, you know. That's what it be like. So anyway, let's move on to the discussion. Today, I wanted to talk about aesthetic. Um, because aesthetic is a concept that the more I think on, the more I really almost become perplexed in trying to think about what the fuck aesthetic is as a concept and whether or not the definitions we've come up with to define this term aesthetic really even properly encapsulate what it is or everything about it uh, when we use this word and this concept in our everyday language. So um, to follow tradition, let's start by looking at the fucking dictionary by the way somebody please say something this live chat is just like i feel like it's always freezing and i can't tell if you're just so enamored and frozen by the power of my words or if it's like freezing and i can't see what you're saying so someone say something if you don't i'll know so let's look it up i've already done this aesthetic all right, good, good. We got someone. Thank you, thank you. Just so I know, every once in a while, have have a vibe check. Vibe check, everyone? Vibe check. How's the vibes? Aesthetic is kind of like vibes, right? So, aesthetic. I've looked it up. Here's our dictionary definition. You ready? Firstly, we have an adjective. Concerned with beauty or the appreciation of beauty. Example sentence. The pictures give great aesthetic pleasure. <laughs> okay. Hate that definition, but let's continue. Second definition listed. Noun. Aesthetic. A set of principles underlying and guiding the work of a particular artist or artistic movement. The cubist aesthetic. See, I don't feel like either of these definitions really... I don't know if I'm wrong or they're wrong. Like, is this the way we really use the word? Let's consider the first definition given, the adjective. Concerned with beauty or the appreciation of beauty. I mean, is that true? Like, is aesthetic necessarily as a concept, like, linked to beauty? Can't you have an aesthetic of a thing that's disgusting? Can the aesthetic be disgusting? Must it be beautiful? Let's ask Merriam-Webster, actually, because I, sh I should have just gone to her directly. Because isn't it crazy how much we've been learning and going through these dictionary definitions together? How there really is no standard 
for these fucking dictionaries. It's almost like they're in competition with each other. It's like, who's got the best definition, brah? Let's go to Miriam. Oh, okay. I'm so interested already. All right. Definition of aesthetic from Miriam Webster. First, all of relating to or dealing with aesthetics or the beautiful. <laughs> okay. B, artistic. A work of aesthetic value. Okay, this is getting more in line, I think, with something that we're familiar with in everyday usage. Third, pleasing in appearance. Mm, again, again, we're gravitating toward this beautiful idea. Do you guys feel, can you please answer me in the chat as I continue through these definitions? Do you feel like the word aesthetic is either historically or in common usage linked to this concept of the beautiful? I mean, I don't personally, I went, listen, listen, I went to art school for many years, multiple art schools, actually, because I transferred and I, I'd be lying if I felt like they really gave me like good comprehensive critical theory. I took a few critical theory classes about art and shit, but like this is news to me, honestly. I don't think I've ever looked up the word aesthetic in the dictionary, but if the word aesthetic is commonly used to refer to something beautiful, like news to me. Let's continue. So our second definition, I just gave you the first, which had three sub entries. Appreciative of, responsive to, or zealous about the beautiful. Damn. Okay. Three. Done or made to improve a person's appearance or to correct defects in a person's appearance. This is so interesting. So, it seems like the dictionary is defining aesthetic uh, as a thing relating to the beautiful, or at least the thing establishing a standard for how a thing should look, which is linked to concepts of the beautiful, you know, like this definition they just gave, done or made to improve a person's appearance, which, you know, what is implied there is that you improve it by making it what? More beautiful. You're correcting a defect, it says. Um, but let me know if you guys agree. The way I want to talk about aesthetic is essentially what has been defined in the first definition, 1B, that says, well, the first definition really, of relating to or dealing with aesthetics or the beautiful, it says. B artistic a work of aesthetic value look it says of relating to or dealing with aesthetics what is aesthetics though Miriam? let's ask let's ask real quick i'm curious oh here we go here we go here we go definition of aesthetics british usually interesting good job brits thanks for this word that i use often a branch of philosophy dealing with the nature of beauty, art, and taste, and with the creation and appreciation of beauty. <laughs> also, a particular theory or conception of beauty or art, a particular taste for or approach to what is pleasing to the senses and especially sight. Alright, so... Dictionaries are giving us all sorts of different things. I feel like it's safe to say 
that this word aesthetic, I see someone else in the chat has sort of just said this. The word aesthetic has kind of come to take on a different meaning, right? Like what we were just saying a moment ago. I think that you can have an aesthetic of a thing that is like horrific, right? Like to speak of horror movies, you know. I don't think it needs to necessarily be beautiful. Maybe what you find beautiful is the forming of a coherent and a complete aesthetic. But I think that nobody will really challenge you if you say the aesthetic of the horror movie was terrific. <laughs> Can you use terrific that way? Like invokes terror within me. Horrific. <laughs> Sorry. The horrific aesthetic, you know? The aesthetic is horrifying. Do you guys feel like that's fair? I feel like we use this word aesthetic and the concept in ways like this. Ways that don't necessarily mean beautiful outright, but which you could argue still align with this definition if maybe instead of beauty, we're going to define it as something like coherent, you know? Whole, complete. <laughs> Apsel says, or yeah, Apsel, and the use of the word aesthetic in the way it's used now didn't really come about until the vaporwave thing. What? What do you mean by this? <laughs> um, Jack, film in particular can be well executed and still be ugly to look at. I think that's what horror is. Well... Like I said, I think we can still like use this word aesthetic in a way that's not even contradictory to the dictionary definition because like maybe you can make the argument that that what is beautiful is that which is well formed, you know? So even if the aesthetic of a thing is like disgusting, I'm sorry, I'm noticing I'm clipping a bit. I'm going to turn my volume down a little bit. Sorry if you have to adjust on your end. disgusting okay there we go even if the aesthetic of a thing is disgusting it might still technically be beautiful in some sense of the word in that it is well formed completely formed has some sort of sort of coherence right but the reason the more i think about this word aesthetic the more i feel almost perplexed by what its usage its full potential usage could or should be is because the more I think about aesthetics the more I think about how aesthetics in many ways almost seems to be describing uh, the presentation of a thing that includes many variables that I would say are like outside of the artist's control you know but I'm not sure if that's really a good way to look at it either. And this is why I put the picture of Elon Musk's new super snazzy extreme invention, the Cybertruck, in the thumbnail. Because I was thinking about this the other night. Like, look at this fucking truck, right? What do you guys think about it? Do you think it looks cool? Does it look good? Is it? What's the aesthetic? of this truck i think it's aesthetically pretty pleasing it definitely presents immediately as like 
having some sort of novelty, though I'm not entirely sure what I would say the novelty is. On the one hand, it looks sort of like retro um, in that it's got this very boxy build. You know, you start to think of like the vehicles in Blade Runner and stuff. But not so much for me. I mean, I've heard some other people like compare it to Blade Runner vehicles. For me, it looks like very kitsch, like early 90s. Like it really, I said this online earlier, it makes me think of Power Rangers. And I wasn't even allowed to watch Power Rangers. I don't even know if those motherfuckers drove cars. Can you guys tell me? Did Power Rangers drive cars? <laughs> I imagine, right? I mean, they were in the desert and stuff. They couldn't have just run around everywhere. Anyone know if the Power Rangers drove cars? Please tell me. Um, but yeah, like it looks, there, there's something like uh, someone else said to me. It looks camp, and I agree with that. Um, and I was thinking about the aesthetics of cars and a vehicular design. Because cars, I think, are one of the most interesting things to consider from like an artist's perspective or a designer's perspective. Because... And I want to know what you guys think about this. When I think about like what cars look good, you know, I feel like for every decade, decade or so, you know, generally around the decade, like there's sort of a recognizable aesthetic of a car. Like cars from every decade seem to take on certain properties, you know, the 1950s cars have a very distinct look. 1960s 1970s like I'm no car expert but like just going off what I think I know like 80s cars appear very boxy which seems like maybe the cyber truck was like trying to reference a bit and being retro a little bit you know and 80s is is a good time period to reference if you're trying to make something sort of retro futuristic because that's when like all the most seminal works of science fiction film came out right and then, like, you know, 80s, 80s cars are very boxy versus, like, 70s cars, I feel like, have a lot of curvature, you know. Um, but cars are really interesting to think about the aesthetics of because I feel like when a car comes out in its chosen time, like, do you think that the designer of the car really, like, says to themselves, this is going to be a design that is timeless, you know? I feel like all the cars that still look good, like decades after they came came out, they're not even necessarily so unique from all the other cars that came out in that decade. They just like seem to capture the best properties of that decade in the best way. Like, what do you guys think will be the iconic car of our decade? I can't even think. Like, like to me, I have a Toyota Camry. I think it just looks totally like, you know, laissez-faire. Everyone has a fucking Toyota Camry. It's nothing special. But I know that in like three decades, I bet the Toyota Camry is going to have like a look. And who knows? Maybe people are going to like try to get Toyota Camrys because they think they look cool. Like, what the fuck? But how can you predict such a thing, you know? And that's, I, I began thinking about this when I was thinking about the Cybertruck that I've pictured here in the thumbnail because, like, I, I think as an artist, like, something, and I know many of you are artists as well, like, 
it has me thinking, like, how much control do we really have over the aesthetic of what we create, you know? It's such an interesting and fun thing to think about because for the past few discussions here, we've been talking about a lot of things, but one of the reoccurring themes of our past few discussions is what is art? And the definition that we've been going with for the past few discussions is basically anything that's created with the purpose of being considered for its aesthetic presentation, you know. And in that sense, it's not particularly deep, right? Like uh, anything that you create and say is art is essentially art, you know. It's as far as we've defined, we don't think that it's necessarily subjective or anything. Like, maybe I'll make a piece of art and you think it's fucking terrible and someone else think it's the greatest thing ever. It doesn't really matter. It's still art, you know. It doesn't really matter who the fuck likes it. Or if no one likes it at all, including myself, I would say it's still art. I know that a lot of people still will not agree with this definition, but to you I say, fuck my butt, you're stupid. <laughs> oh so aesthetic it's so it's so trippy because like what what are we doing as artists when we make art aren't we ultimately like i mean we can show as much technical skill you know I, i mean and art is in many ways a showcase of our abilities and many of these abilities are technical Um, And all of our various art pieces can be showcases of like these amazing techniques that we've learned how to do or maybe even master and my idea about this or that and I put them all together and I give them back to you as this aesthetic presentation of a thing to be judged for its aesthetic presentation. And I have control over much of this, but the control is like so limited by so many factors, right? Like for one, our context And I think that, you know, thinking about color sort of illuminates this problem. Like, we can make something to the best of our abilities that we wish to be timeless, that we hope in future centuries people will look at and still think is awesome. But, first of all, will it ever be considered outside of its context? How much does the context it was created in affect how even people in the future are going to consider it? Were it to be removed from this context entirely, would people appreciate it more? Would they appreciate it less, you know? To think about who are the most timeless artists. I won't say the most timeless. That's not a good way to way to describe them who are the most famous artists like throughout history who would you say have the most long-standing track records anybody let's hear from the chat who are our most famous artists who Jim Morrison (laughs) I don't know who bro Jim Morrison is the Beatles hello I said timeless and you give me people from this century are you kidding me what kind of an audience are you 
I said timeless. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that a lot of people won't describe these artists as timeless, but let's be real. Like, who are actually the oldest? Because, you know, this is what timeless means. You withstand the, <laughs> withstand the forces of time. Who are some of the most oldest, revered artists? <laughs> I hate you guys. Bella Thorne. <laughs> true, true. Ariana Grande. Stan, Stan. Oh, God. All right, finally, we have a real answer. Shakespeare. That's a good one. Even though he's pretty recent, he's probably one of the most recent artists, I think. Historians, at least, will agree, is timeless. And he's an interesting one to think about. Like, what would, how would Shakespeare be received if he came out today, you know? And if, if the answer is drastically different, if you think that he would be received in a way that's entirely different than how he was received when he came out, then is he truly timeless? Is any art truly timeless? Someone else says Kubrick. Kubrick is an interesting one. I think that time will tell. I think Kubrick is really too recent. And of course, like even a person like Shakespeare might be too recent one day. One day Shakespeare's history might be completely glossed over, you know. The longer we go on in time, I think the longer centuries kind of like merge. And assuming that humanity sticks around long enough, um, you know, I think it's reasonable to think that like one day all of our human history, recorded human history, which as far as we know is the past 6,000 years, all of this could just be considered like, you know, the fucking, I don't know what you would call it, someone give it a name, the Panolithic period. And like, people won't even be able to name one artist from this time period, you know? Or they'll like sort of recognize the Mona Lisa the way we recognize like, uh, what's that, uh, oh, Venus of Wallendorf, or Wallendorf, or whatever, you know, that will be the quiz question on their history test, that's all they'll have to know, there'll be no sp speaking of Shakespeare, or of anything, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll salvage one film to put on the art history exam, too, I wonder what that would be, maybe one black and white, one color, who knows, as time goes on, we all just become more and more condensed, right? It's like a giant compressor. History and time is this giant compressor that just smashes everything closer together and makes it more compounded. <clears throat> Let's see, what else do we have? Ancient-ass cave paintings. Yeah, I would say that those are timeless, but are they timeless as pieces of art or as... Uh, fragments of human history. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, my point in talking about all of this, where are we at time-wise? Uh, ooh, 28 minutes. Okay, good. I was afraid I'd have nothing to talk about. You know, really, like, this, I, I don't even have, like, some strong novel thesis to put forth here. Only that, like, thinking more and more about aesthetic and how much is in our control like how much is that going to affect our personal practices as artists what are we trying to do with art you know like we've spoken we've been speaking here about art being timeless can it ever be timeless i feel like 
a lot of artists and not just artists but all sorts of people creating under what umbrella they create under whether it's philosophy or literature or whatever the hell else uh it seems like a shared goal among different practices is to create something that's timeless right do you guys think that this is like a noble goal is it an achievable goal? And if it's not something that's perfectly achievable, do you think it's still something to aim towards, you know? Just like these dictionary definitions are giving us this idea that aesthetic aims towards a thing. Do you think that as artists, we should be aiming for something? Like, what do you think? What do you think? Oh shit, Kumari's here, thank god. <laughs> What's up, Kumari, our brother? Talking dumb bullshit already. Alright, I'll, I'll address what Jenny just said. Jenny says, how do you differentiate art in a fragment of human history? Isn't art by definition a fragment of human history? Um... If you want my personal answer, Jenny, I would say no. I believe that a lot of art is uh, fragments of... I mean, I guess... I, well, I guess you could say yes in the sense that literally anything humans create will be historical in the realm of human history. Literally everything humans do, right, can become historical. But um, I think that art serves as landmarks in human history and most artists want to be one of those landmarks so that as the compressor of history and time continues, maybe you can be the question on the, on the art history lesson in the year 5000. But, um, you know, I, I think like it's not necessarily historical or you don't create it with that purpose it will become historical if history remembers you i guess i could answer with another question like are things that are lost in time historical anymore you know if i make all these art pieces and they get lost in a fire when fucking i don't know canada invades the u.s <laughs> in a century and ransacks all the art museums and they destroy all my art uh is it is it any longer historical no unless someone remembers it right what constitutes a thing being historical it still has to have some like record of it i would say so i don't know i guess as long as something is still existing you could say it's historical but as soon as it's destroyed and as soon as the memory of it is destroyed, no, I would say it's no longer historical. Good Stuff says, history is subjective, so historians are artists. Well, Good Stuff, I would disagree with you on both of those accounts. First of all, I don't believe history is subjective, nor do I believe art is subjective. I believe that every concept, including a concept like history and a concept like art, is subjective 
to you in your mind, your idea of what is history and what is historical and your idea of what is art is subjective to you. But when you use these terms in everyday language, it's not really subjective, is it? When you say art, I know what you're talking about, even though I have no idea what the concept art presents to you as in your inner psyche, you know? I have no idea what history looks like in your head. But when I say the word history, when I say the word art, you all know what the fuck I'm talking about, right? Because these concepts are not really subjective as soon as we externalize them and put them into some sort of use, right? They have definitions that we agree on. History has a definition and so does art. Kumari, suck my dick, you bitch. It's not directionless ranting, okay? There is a direction. Okay? Okay? It's called free thinking. We're free thinkers. Don't tread on me. Subjective to you is so redundant. It really isn't, Kumari, because wouldn't you agree that... A lot of people use the word subject, like you just said, good stuff. You said art is subjective, but I'm telling you, it really isn't. At least not when you're using it in a sentence to have a conversation with other people about art. That was my point, you know? If you say a thing is subjective, what are you really trying to say? That your definition is your definition and my definition is my definition? When people raise these kinds of ideas, then I think responding in a way that says, no, I don't, or responding in a way where I'm clarifying, I think, yeah, it's subjective on some level in the sense that your personal understanding of the term is your own. But I don't think that it makes sense to walk around saying to other people, art is subjective. Or history is subjective. This is why I have just said this to you in a way that you find redundant, Kumari. What do you guys people? What, what do you people think of this? Do you think that the distinction is meaningless? Is it? Is there no point? Is there no point in speaking about this? Absol says, art is objectively art. My perception and your perception is what is subjective. I mean, I don't like the word objectively. I don't know if I would say art could ever be objectively art because art really is a thing that... I mean, you couldn't say a thing is art without a person to create or say it's art or create it with the purpose of being art, you know? Like, I understand the concept, but I don't like it there. I wouldn't say it there, you know? The closest I'll get to saying a thing is, like, objectively something is if it's something that's, like, really well-defined. But you know what? I mean, whatever. You could say it if you want as long as you also include a justification for why you are wording it this way. That's what I think. Kumari says, Phenomenology determines that everything is subjective. It's a helpful closing statement to say something is subjective warrants no further discussion. 
So essentially, yeah, there's no point in speaking about this. Kumar, you fucking idiot. How dare you? <laughs> Phenomenology does not determine that everything is subjective. That is such a gross mischaracterization of what phenomenology is. Phenomenology is actually concerned with the opposite of what you seem to be implying the goal of phenomenology is. It's not to state that everything is subjective. Phenomenology only starts from the premise of the understanding that yes, the way you encounter any concept in your head is subjective, but when we're trying to create language and systems of logic and philosophy, we have to recognize that the way to do this requires some sort of mutual agreement that's founded on our mutual perception. The point of phenomenology is to create language that we can all agree on, especially philosophical language, so that we can actually have meaningful philosophies, not sit around going, art is subjective all day long and fucking masturbating to each other. That's the point of phenomenology. The point of phenomenology is to advance us out of this subjective mode where we exist basically in some kind of sensory deprivation tank where I don't know anything fucking exists. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if that's real. I don't know if the wall's real. Like, we all know this already. This is like... We cannot prove that any of this shit exists, right? That's not the fucking point of phenomenology. The fucking point of phenomenology is to say, okay, we know this. What the fuck are we going to do about it? So anyway, let's get a little bit back on topic. Timelessness. Let's say that we wanted to create something that was truly timeless as artists. Okay, so if we want to do this, and we also are going to accept that the definition of art is a thing that creates some sort of aesthetic presentation that uh, the criteria of which it will be judged... <laughs> It will be judged for it on this criteria. It's aesthetic presentation. Then what would you guys think would uh, create the most timeless art piece? If such a thing were possible. Or at least how could you create the more, a more timeless art piece? What do you guys think? We got some gurus in the chat. Wiley says something everyone hates that's timeless. That's interesting, Wiley. What could be a thing that everyone hates forever? That makes me think when you say that, that makes me think of like the Vienna actionists from the 70s, you know, these people that just started like shitting on each other and like eating each other's shit and stuff. <laughs> also, like, you know, makes me think of like Peter Sotos, the guy from that uh, industrial noise band, White House, who like put like child pornography in a museum. Like, 
it's kind of funny because when all of this stuff came out, people were like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? I can't believe it. And now looking back at it, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> you just kind of seem like a tryhard, you know? If like child pornography and eating other people's shit isn't enough for people to like be impressed with your art piece for more than a few decades, like how the fuck can you really, really make sure they remember you? Apsa says, someone who is mad pretentious might create art with the sole purpose of it being timeless. What do you mean by that? So, would you guys say that everything that makes a certain artist appear more timeless, because, you know, as far as we know, no piece of art is truly timeless, but the things that are more timeless, do you think that they're just kind of arbitrarily chosen? Like, is every famous piece of art just sort of arbitrary? Like, to think of Leonardo da Vinci. I think he's one of the most famous artists. He'd be considered one of the most timeless ever, you know? Simply because of his influence and how much he's remembered and studied and yada yada. And the scale of his contributions. Do you think that that's arbitrary? Was he just arbitrarily selected to be this guy that we're all going to talk about? And maybe there were lots of other people that were way more talented than him and they should be the ones hanging on the wall of the fucking Guggenheim. a few answers good stuff says yes fame is luck and timing I would agree with that uh, in many ways I think that um, it's totally possible there were many artists that were much more talented than Leonardo da Vinci both as artists and as scientists that were simply never recognized because it just wasn't their luck at the same time I do think that what Da Vinci in particular accomplished sort of made him essentially bought him a lottery ticket to be considered in the historical canon of everything you know I think that hard work if anything only buys you a lottery ticket you know and many people are just kind of given the lottery ticket also because they're rich and their dad's rich and you know whatever they just happen to be noticed it's pure luck but I I think for the most part people who do gain some sort of technical skill and whatever they accomplish by way of hard work I think that for many people that essentially buys you your lottery ticket and luck will determine whether or not you get to be the guy that's remembered Good stuff. I like how you're like trying to act like you're some like like wise 
guru that like knows stuff, he keeps saying, I'm at the beginning of my journey and I'm going to figure it out. How can I get to be where you're at, good stuff? Have you reached infinite wisdom? Can you please share it with us peasants? Please share your wisdom, good stuff. Solar Temple says, Art concerning space, not just outer space, but black, also black, infinite voids and nothingness, is timeless. Space has always been here and, from what I understand, will always remain. That's really interesting, Solar Temple. Can you expand on that idea a little bit? Because I think something that maybe you're getting at, or if you're not getting at, I think serves as like a good stepping stone to um, something interesting. And the ideas I'll start to uh, use to wrap up this upload is, I think that there are certain properties of art making that essentially are universal. And it's not necessary, I think, uh, to put any one of these maybe on a pedestal more than a thing like the specific context of the environment you're creating your art in. But I would say to a person that wants their art to be the most timeless, I think I think the best chance you'll have at achieving this is likely by making a priority for your artwork to do something in interesting in the realm of what is most universal about art, you know. And you sort of just mentioned one solar temple, space, you know. Space is a fundamental property, I would say, of art and of experiencing art, you know. And it's so interesting. Uh, we just read Kant a few weeks ago in our book club. And uh, it was some of the introductory sections to critique of pure reason. And Kant says that one of the most fundamental or Really, the only thing that could be considered a fundamental property of outer experience is space itself. Because without space, we won't even be able to differentiate ourselves from our surrounding phenomena, you know. So, damn, if anyone in here is like a philosophy slash art major, please continue with this Kant time timelessness connection and write the paper and let us read it because I'm not about to do that. But, you know, you could have an interesting thesis there. Work it. Work it. Get that. Get that. Get that A. We'll give you critique. <clears throat> um, but I think I think that that's really that's really interesting. Um, and this is something that I think is likely true. That the most timeless artworks are really the pieces of art that I think speak to the most amount of people are going to be the pieces of art that are not burdened by their context, you know. Though, of course, like, like we were saying a moment ago, fame, I think, is largely just luck, you know, like, even if you do this thing and do it well, try to make a piece of art that can be most universally appreciated. Like, I don't think that necessarily increases your chances that you'll be remembered. I mean, especially since when you consider history, like I think most of history's famous artists are actually history's most famous artists because of their specific context, you know. 
like Jenny said a moment ago, Leonardo da Vinci is also well known for like his scientific achievements, you know. I think much of what puts him as like a in his historical place in time is largely dependent on the context of the historical place in time he existed in, you know. Like maybe he wouldn't be as ripe a candidate for like being the answer on every art history one-on-one question if he existed in the 19th century, you know. So what then is most fundamental or most universal about art period though? Can we identify these things? If art is a thing that we judge for its aesthetic, an aesthetic is a thing that we only have so much control over, then how the fuck can we really try to steer this process in any meaningful way? Do you feel like it's even worth trying to trying to remove yourself from your specific context to have the bigger picture, quote unquote, if such a thing is even possible? Will you just be fucking yourself in the process? Jenny says, do you consider art to be activism? I guess that would depend on what what activism means. If you mean political activism, I guess no. No, I would not say that. Steven says, art is definitely commentary, so activism, yes. I mean, is all commentary activism, though? Like, what if you make a commentary on the new Steven Spielberg film? Is that activism? <laughs> You know, like what? I don't think commentary and activism are necessarily. Hmm. Art certainly is activism, someone says. Interesting. Solar. I agree, Buttress. Space is universal. We all understand it. We have all experienced night or being in a completely darkened room. We can allow our minds to explore this. The darkness. The unknown. That's very interesting, Solar. I, I think I would agree with you. And even to like remove it a little bit from like the poetic aspect of it. I think it's true too that much of how we appreciate art is reliant on space, you know? Like space is a concept that needs to be uh, well understood or at least like well established to make a composition, right? Like a good composition. What are compositions? Like composition, one of the most fundamental elements of any composition will be its use of space, you know? Also, its use of things like contrast, light versus dark, you know? I think that... What about, like, if you want to create an art piece that you want the widest range of people to be able to appreciate and take some sort of aesthetic delight in, you know, what kind of an art piece would you make? I feel like I would try to make something that doesn't really rely on any specific context to the best of my abilities, you know? If I'm trying to make an art piece that I want, like, children in India to also take some sort of delight in, I wouldn't necessarily, like, include an image of, like, I don't fucking know, Ronald Reagan, you know? Like, and of course, like, it's not necessary that I create this art piece for everyone in the world to like, but I think 
if you're trying to consider like how you might make the most universally appealing, the most universally aesthetic thing, a thing that might far supersede you and survive for decades and maybe centuries even into the future for its strong aesthetic, then you're going to try your best to create an art piece that is unburdened by your specific context or one that maybe on the polar opposite of the spectrum is the most perfect mascot, the most perfect representation of your specific context. Hmm? Maybe it has to meet either one of these two extremes. Either be as devoid of context as artistically possible or be the most, the most fucking contextually, contextual piece ever. You have to create the most 2000 motherfucking 19 thing ever. Ugh, I'm so excited. I need to get out of here and create some fucking art. Who's with me? Who's gonna get out of here and create some fucking art? So I think this raises a bunch of interesting questions and you should all leave your comments in here and talk about it with us and also join our club, obviously, on Patreon. It's only a dollar a month. Um, but before we do that, before I sign off, let me just give a, a, a few more minutes to this it, activism as art and art as activism thing because this is something that keeps coming up. And I think maybe we should begin to talk about it, though I don't want to get too deep, but maybe we should have a full discussion about this some other time. A lot of people in the chat seem to be of the mindset that all art is activism. Am I misunderstanding you all? You believe art is activism. Andrew says, can we define activism? Let's do that. I think that's a great idea. Miriam! Activism. Are you ready? Everyone. Everyone, hold on to your butts. Definition of activism. A doctrine or practice that emphasizes direct vigorous action, especially in support of or opposition to one side of a controversial issue, i.e. political activism and environmental activism. I think that that's pretty, uh, that's like, that's probably how most people use the word. Am I wrong? You know? Um, activism, the dictionary basically just told us, is anything that's put forth with the purpose of promoting a goal amidst something that, like, might present as some sort of conflict. You know, like in the two examples they gave, politics and environmental matters. Um, so I guess it's something created with the purpose of promoting one of these agendas or at least an agenda like amidst these general conflicts I don't think that you would really call a thing that exists for no like specific reason or with no strong agenda activism would you guys Good Stuff says I think you are a fantastic artist but you are spinning you know what I think Good Stuff I think that you are a random person on the internet that is somehow making yourself feel better by coming in here and talking down to me as if I'm out here trying to fucking rewrite the constitution. This is a YouTube upload that has a thumbnail with a picture of the fucking Cybertruck, okay? The fuck? 
What do you think I'm trying to do here? I'm having fun and I'm talking about it. And you are killing my vibe, bruh. You're killing my fucking vibe. I'm just trying to talk about art and aesthetics. God damn, good stuff. You need a new username because you know what? I don't think you really are good stuff. I think you're unfortunate stuff. Unfortunate stuff, the YouTube user. That's your new fucking name. Apsa says, Art is not inherently used for activism, but it can be created with the intent of bringing change, motherfuckers. <laughs> what, what, what do you guys think? Is art activism yay or nay? Does it have to be? Solar Temple says, I think art is activism if it is politically or socially charged and the artist intends it to be so. However, others can attribute political motives to art which is not intended to be political. I agree with that. You know, I think there's a lot of art made to be specifically activism. But I think that there's also a lot of art that doesn't necessarily exist to promote some like agenda as far as politics goes or something that could be considered political. But then, of course, I could get into one of my semantics wormholes, which some of these people will will clearly dislike. But I could say that, you know, like I believe that art is essentially a presentation of human ideas and all of our historical art pieces are landmarks of human achievement because they're landmarks of human thought. In that way, I think art is almost like philosophy, you know, and we consider them and create icons out of them to sort of serve as these little placeholders. Um, and you could say that, like, this phenomena is political because we all exist in our various geopolitical environments. No one does not exist in a political reality. So, like, sure, everything's political. All art's activism. The body is political. What's the fucking phrase? You know, I think you could either say everything's political, which, like, sure. But if you're not going to say everything's political then yes, I, I think I agree with what Solar Temple just said, which is that some art's political, some art is not. I wouldn't say all art is political. Definitely not. Andrew says, I think art is activism always. It moves. So do trucks, Andrew. Trucks move. Are trucks activism? Hmm? I could push you. In front of a train, I can move you. Am I activism? <laughs> Is this activist? I think you're talking about, like, being sad and stuff. I've cried to um, a Britney Spears song. I was just listening to that one. Uh, what's the one? It's like, every time I tried that I fell. That moved me. I cried. I cried. I don't even know why I was crying. I wasn't even listening to the lyrics. I was just like, God damn. I love this song. Was that activism? It moved me. It moved me in my fucking soul. The aesthetic of this Britney Spears song moved me deeply. Would you say that the Britney Spears song is then activism? And we've just come up on an hour. I'd like to hear if you guys could all please tell me 
briefly and maybe we'll pick up this discussion next time or at least in the next relevant discussion whether or not this Britney Spears song that moved me in the depths of my soul was activism uh thank you everybody for listening this is a very uh this was a very active chat um thank you to everybody who participated in the chat also to those who came to humble me or whatever the fuck you're trying to do in there keep trying posers uh i'll never kick you out i don't believe in censorship you can come back every time and i'll fucking respond every time let's bring it i love it this is how i had fun all right and apsa says britney spears is an activist and on that note i think that's a great place to conclude here britney spears is an activist activism is art everything is aesthetic and basically stay trippy I'll talk to you hoes later. Goodbye.